Matthew chapter 2, Matthew chapter 2, and verse 1 through 8. We've been in a series called Room, and uh, this idea of, hey, can we make room in our lives, in, in different areas of our lives, uh, for God. And so week one, we talked about making room here as a church, making room at the table for people. Last week, we looked at making room in our disappointment. And, and today, uh, we're, we're continuing the Christmas story, J uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. It says this, after Jesus was born, I can't read that, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw this star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from, or excuse me, secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Verse 8. He said, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. This morning, I want to talk to you from the subject, the monkey bar king. The monkey bar king. And hopefully that makes sense to you by the time we're done together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we, we, we thank you for what you're doing in our church. God, we thank you for the generosity that, that we are able to, 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 to be and, and to give, Father, to, to people, uh, to different organizations, God. We, we just thank you for what you're doing in our midst, Father. Lord, I pray within the next few moments together that you would move and you would do what only you can do. Holy Spirit, we invite you as our guest of honor this morning. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone. Say it. Amen. Amen. Do you guys remember the monkey bars back when you were, when you were younger? Like the monkey bars was where it is at. Now, I don't remember a lot about my childhood, but I do remember, and I don't mean to brag, but I do remember your boy was the king of the monkey bars. We would have race, races on the monkey bars in my elementary school. One person would start on one side. The other person would start on the other side. And, and, and someone would say, go. And we would just, the first person to reach the other end was the winner. And I would dominate in this sport. And, uh, and so I remember uh, uh, I had this, 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 this uh, method to my madness, however. I knew that I would only race people that I knew that I could beat. <laughs> so if I looked at you and I was like, ah, I'd probably beat you, I'd be like, let's race. And they'd be like, yeah, let's race. And then we'd race and I would win. And I would just, I would stack up wins. I, I would never race people that look like they were fast though. Never, because I don't want to lose. Now, one day, first grade, um, my best friend at the time, his name was Francis, he, uh, he was like, hey, can, can we race? And I was like, oh, dude, I don't know. Like, he looks fast, but, I, but he runs slow. Like, you know, like I'm trying to figure this, this whole thing out. 
And uh, I'm like, sure, sure, let's, let's, let's race, let's race. So uh, he's on one end, I'm on the other. In my head, the crowd swarmed. You know, <laughs> the first grader babes are like, go down. And I, I'm like, I'm ready to dominate. And uh, so had someone, and this is a true story, on your mark, let's go. And we start swinging, man. And I'm like, I'm going to get it. I, I, I looked up, and I realized my, my best friend Francis was faster than what I thought. He was actually beating me. And in this moment, I panicked because I did not want to lose. And so what I did, don't judge me, this was a long time ago. As he passed by, I, gra <laughs> I, I wrapped my legs quickly around his legs and jerked it like that. And, and he, he's like, ah! and, he, and it pulled him off the monkey bars. And he's like, and I just kept going, y'all. I turned around and I was like, I won! I turned around and poor Francis is on the ground. And everyone's rushing to him. He broke his arm! Hey, but I won! That is the point of the story. So he's on the ground, his arm's broken. But I won. Uh, we're no longer friends to this day. Um, but, but here's why I'm telling you this. Not for you to judge me, because I feel like there's a lot of that happening right in this moment. Um, and, and God forgives you. I forgive you. But the reason why I'm telling you this is, is because I, as I was thinking about this moment, I was willing to do whatever it took in order to stay on top. Like the, the, I, the, the, the title of monkey bar king was all mine. It was what I found my identity in. It, it's what I found my worth in. And I was willing to do whatever it took to make sure I stayed on top because I did not know who I was without that. Now, here's, here's why I'm bringing this up to you this morning is because today, the question in which I'm wanting you to ask yourself is, can you make room for God in your insecurity? Can you make room for God in your insecurity? Because here's what I've discovered. Every single person in this room, every single person that's viewing us online in one way, shape, or form, whether it's in the past, present, or will be, you have experienced insecurity. We've all experienced this, this idea of insecurity. And insecurity is so dangerous because insecurity is detrimental to your identity. Because insecurity will always get you to question your self-value. It'll always get you to question what you're worth. It'll always get you to question how you see yourself. Now, we've all experienced insecurity by what people have said to us or what they have done to us. Now, right now, you can even think about the words that people have said to you or the things that people have done to you that have gotten you to question who you are. And it's, and it's created insecurity inside of you. But then insecurity can also start 
not just with what people say or what people do, but it can also stem from what people don't say and what they don't do. See, some of you, you you've, no one's ever said you're valuable. No one's ever said you're worth it. No one's ever said I love you. And that, in the same way as if someone was talking bad about you, like it, this, when, when someone doesn't say something or, or you've never received affection or hugs, like it, it, you, you're, you, you begin to become insecure. And here's what I've discovered about insecurity is that everybody wears insecurity differently. In fact, there's some of you in this room this morning that uh, the, the way that you wear your insecurity is by, by, by holding back, by, by, um, by, by taking a step back and, 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 and by uh, not wanting to, to do something. You, you, like you're, the way that you weigh, wear your insecurity is like you're, you're hesitant to, to do this thing or to be part of this group or to, or to whatever it is, but like this insecurity, it's, it's, it's caused you, it's prevented you, excuse me, it's prevented you from wanting to step out. And so some of you, you wear your insecurity that way. You're like, I'm not worth it, I can't do it, so I'm just not going to even... I'm not even going to put myself out there. But then there's others who are on the complete uh, opposite end of the spectrum where you wear your insecurity completely different. In fact, you wear your insecurity in such a way that you are willing to push down every single person so that you are always elevated up, so that you are the monkey bar king. So that, so that like, as long as you are up here and everybody is down here, no one will ever see how, how you really feel inside, how scared you really are, how sad you really are. And, and we use, for some of us, we use this, this form of insecurity as a defense mechanism. Now, both both ways that we wear insecurity, they're, 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 both ways are, are, are not great for our identity. But, but this morning, for the next few minutes that we have together, I, I want us to look at the latter form of insecurity. The insecurity that we wear as a defense mechanism. The insecurity that we wear as a sense of, of making us up here and everybody down here. Because... I think that it is this type of insecurity that we read about in the story in Matthew chapter 2. See, in Matthew chapter 2, the text that we read at the very beginning, it's, it's a story about a king, King Herod, the king of Judea. And, and, and this king, he, he, what we discover is this king is, he's, he's insecure. And we discover this as, as the story progresses in, in, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 2, we're introduced to a group of magi from the east. They come and they find the king and they're like, hey, king, we're here to worship the king of the Jews, the baby, the, 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 the baby that's, that's going to be the king. And uh, what we see in the very next verse, in verse 3, it says that King Herod was disturbed. That when these kings, excuse me, when these, when these magi came 
to the king and said, we're, we're here to worship. We're here to, to worship the, 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 the baby. He was disturbed. And so I want to pull out a few observations of why, um, of why insecurity is, 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 is some observations about insecurity. And so here's the first one. Insecurity will always cause you to misinterpret the messenger. Insecurity will always cause me to misinterpret the messenger. So, so they get to the king and they're like, King, we're here, to, we're, we're here to worship. We're here to give our respects to the king of the Jews. Now you would think that the way that the king responded that they would have said this. Hey, fake king, we're here to worship the real king because you're the fake king. So where is the real king? And verse three, it says he was disturbed by, by, by them looking for the real king, for the baby king. See, insecurity will always cause you to misinterpret the messenger. See, because a secure king would have been like, man, that's kind of weird. I'm a little embarrassed. I thought you were looking for me. But yeah, hey, it's this way. He's over here. We'll figure it out. Come on, I'll help you. <laughs> like a secure king would have just easily just moved on. But not this king. This king, he began to think about what this new king could potentially do to his kingdom and he got defensive he, he he became troubled and insecurity will always misinterpret the messenger friends can i say this morning that as long as we allow insecurity to reign in our lives I will always have the ability to misinterpret what people say to me, what people do to me, as a way of them, as a way of me thinking that they're trying to hurt me. Now, I, now sometimes people are, so I'm not talking about those people, but I'm talking about those things where like everyone else is like, you got that from that, you know? You look real pretty today. I can't believe they said that. Like, what? Like, this, this idea, insecurity will always, <clears throat> excuse me, cause me to misinterpret the messenger. And I think the reason why this is, is because if we're honest, we just place too much value in what people say. We, we give too much value to what people think about us. Like, we, we put too much value in, in too much stock in, in, in the way that, that people think and, and, and talk and treat us. And if that's you, I got great news. Here's what the author of Proverbs says in, in Proverbs chapter 29. He says, the fear of human opinion disables. Have you ever felt that? Like, when I'm, when I'm too concerned about the opinion of you, the opinion of people, it disables me. It, it, it causes me to, to, to not be able to function. But then he goes on, trusting in God protects you 
from that. The fear of human opinion disables, but trusting in God protects you from that. So the author is saying what people say about you, what they think about you, like as long as I'm focused on that, more than trusting in God about what he says about me, what he says about you, I will always be moved by people and I will always neglect God. And so I have to learn if I am not going to misinterpret people that when people tell me things, I gotta be like a duck. Water off my back. Like, I got to just, I got to be like, chill, John, and then move on because I love you. But what you say about me is not as valuable as what he says about me. And so, friends, I need you to understand what people say about you is not as valuable as what God says about you. And so I got to learn that insecurity will always cause me to misinterpret the messenger. So we move on in, in, in Matthew chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. The, uh, the King Herod, he's like, okay, these guys are, are letting me know there's another king that's being born, and he's troubled about it. So he does what every insecure king would do, and he goes and and he um, he goes to his like his his trusty friends and and all the wise counsel, and he's like, hey have you heard about this king that's being born? And they're like, yeah, we have. Do you guys know where he's going to be? Yeah, Bethlehem. He's like, okay. And then in verse six, it says that he secretly contacted the Magi and he, he brought them into his, his courts and it was like, hey, so I found out where he's at. They're like, yeah, he's in Bethlehem. Oh, okay. And then this is interesting. The king, the king says, when you find him, when you find this baby, come back. Like he said, when you find the baby, I want to know. So will you come back to me and tell me where the baby is so that I can go and worship him. Here's the second observation of insecurity. Insecurity makes everything about you. Insecurity makes everything about you. The king, he was like, when you find a baby, come and tell me. I want to know because I want to worship the king. Like when I carry, when I wear insecurity, it's amazing how everything is always about me. When I am insecure, it's always about what I need and what I want. And in fact, we see, we fast forward in verse 12, excuse me, of Matthew chapter 2 and verse 12, we actually see the intentions of the king. Because in verse 12, it says that, that an angel told Joseph, don't go back to where you just came from because the king actually wants to kill your baby. 
When I am insecure and when it, it makes everything about me and when everything is about me, I will do whatever it takes to protect my power, to protect my influence, to protect what's around me. And we see that the king, King Herod, he, he was willing to do that. He was willing to do whatever it took to make sure that his, that his kingdom wasn't affected. Now, here, here's the tension. If insecurity makes everything about me, the tension is that if you are here this morning and you would identify as a Jesus follower, by definition, it is not about you. It is about God. In fact, there's this interesting story in John chapter 3. John the Baptist, he, he was the man and cool name. And he's baptizing people left or right in this river. And then all of a sudden, Jesus, he, he this fast forward, obviously, time has passed. Jesus is baptizing people in the same river. And uh, John's line of people that wanted to get baptized, they're getting shorter because they're like, oh, I want to go to Jesus to get baptized. So they start leaving. And John's leaders, John's followers are like, uh, John, hey, we, there, there's a problem here. Um, everyone's going to that guy over there. Everyone's, everyone's going over there to be baptized. You got to do something. You got to tell this guy to find a different river. He's like, he's, 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 he's messing with our territory. And John says something very interesting in verse, John chapter 3 and verse 30. He says this, he must become greater. I must become less. So John's insecure leaders are like, hey, they're trying to, he's trying to, to take our people. If you do that, we're not going to be anybody. Who are we going to be if no one goes to John the baptizer and you have no one to baptize? You'll just be John. And John is like, you get it all wrong. It's not about me. It's not about you. He's like, I, I got to decrease so that he can increase. That it's, it's, it's not about me. And, and I want to say this morning in a culture that is constantly pushing this idea that it's all about you. And it's so easy to fall in the trap to believe, okay, maybe it is all about me. I need to let you know this morning that it's not about you. It's about him. Like, if we are going to do this, this walk with, with Jesus, we got to understand that I got to become less so that he can become more. The whole life of what we are to live as believers is one that it's not about me, 
But as long as I choose to wear insecurity, it'll always make it about me. But I got to learn to say, God, you got to become greater in my life. God, I got to decrease so that you can increase. And as the band comes up, I want us to go back to, to Matthew chapter 2. Because it's, it's a story of, of a king that didn't want to give up his crown. Really, I think that was, the, that was the whole thing of his insecurity. Was that he was like, I don't want to give up my crown. I have found my identity in this crown. And if I don't have this crown, who am I? And so this story that we read in Matthew chapter 2, it's a story about a king that was not willing to give up his crown, but... But I think it's also about, maybe even more so about, a group of individuals who were unlike the king. Who, who, who was unlike the king that, that was refusing to, to give up the crown. But these individuals, these magis, they, they were completely opposite because while the king was refusing to give up his crown, these magis, they, they were willing to lay down their crown. They were willing to lay down their gold, their frankincense, their myrrh. They were willing to lay it down and at the feet of Jesus, literally at the feet of Jesus. Now what's interesting is that most scholars, there's a debate whether these guys were kings, these magis from the east, if they were kings. Most scholars would agree that they weren't kings, but, but what they do agree on is that each one of these magis from the east, that they were rich, that they had possessions. And yet they were willing, despite the status that they had, despite the pocketbook they had, they were willing to take what they had. And they were willing to lay it down at the feet of Jesus. And so this morning, I... I wonder if there's some in this room where you would identify more as the king than the magi, that there's things in your life that, that you've carried with you. Like you, you, you wear a crown because there's things that you've carried with you that, that has caused you to just, man, like if I don't have this crown, who am I? And it's caused this insecurity inside of you. This morning, I wonder if there's anyone here that, that would identify as that, as that. But, 
but would also say, John, I just, I wanna make room in my insecurity for God to move. Because if I can make room in my insecurity, God can once again speak to the identity that he gave me. He can reestablish the value that someone took away from you.